Other Siders. Welcome back to the Other Side Podcast. I'm your host, Tiffany Rufino, and I am here with the drum to my beat, Mr. Rufino. Hello. Hello. And, and welcome. welcome. <laughs> Ooh, we didn't plan that. That was cool. <laughs> uh, welcome back if you have been listening to us for a while, and welcome to our wackiness if you are just joining us. We're so thankful that you're here either way, and we appreciate all your love and support. And uh, just a little plug, if you want to go ahead and text the words, the other side, to 386-204-4144, you will get signed up for more amazingness, if that was even more possible with the Other Side podcast. And so talking about more and more and more and being even more amazing, our topic of the day, Mr. Rufino, is are your standards too high? And we're going to talk about uh, standards being too high and standards being too low. How do you know if they're too high? How do you know if they're too low? And this applies across all different types of scenarios. So when you say, are your standards too high? I don't want our audience to misunderstand and think you're not enough and therefore you should lower your expectations. It's really more to me, it's I associate it with wasted energy. So um, how many times do you have to like, for example, me, I, I proofread my emails before I send them out. How many times do you have to proofread an email before you send it out? Right. Or. How many times should you go back and relook at a project before it becomes a wasted effort because you're spending more time doing that than you are delivering on what you're supposed to deliver on? So I equate that with perfectionism mm -hmm. more so than standards. So standards is more of a baseline and what do you base every behavior and action on based on what your standard is. Whereas perfectionism is more of just your personal expectation of what you're putting out into the world for people to uh, receive. Yeah, but at the same time, you could have like a specific standard that you want to meet, whether it's personally or in a group. And Sometimes having too high a standard can hold back progress with the group. Okay. And I think with the topic today, we're not talking about personal standards for ourselves. It's what standards do we have for other people yeah. with their interaction with us, right? So, you know, when you were talking about proofreading emails and, and that sort of thing, you have a standard of if it's a business communication, it should be go out as a business communication and be received as a business professional communication, right? And if it's in there with, you know, a million exclamation points and it's in there with a whole bunch of um, misspellings of words or incorrect use of words, then that's going to frustrate you when you receive that back, correct? Yeah, definitely. So <laughs> drives <when> me nuts. <laughs> and I know that because we talk about that often. Like, you couldn't go back and just check that one word that was underlined in red that gave you a hint that it was spelled <laughs> wrong. Um, so when does it become a point of, is it a basic standard and who decides that, like a baseline standard? And then when are the standards too high from there? So let's start that way. Let's go with the, the too high um, and I think in my perception is that your standards, regardless of where you're at uh, in your lifestyle or your career, your standards can be too high if you're expecting 
perfectionism from everybody around you. Yeah. Um, and where that kind of, to me, that imp- that can impede progress. It can impede, um, I mean, I don't want you to think that you have to do things just to check things off of your list. But you'd end up checking them off slower when your standards are way too high. Well, so here's a challenge to that. If I if there's a list that needs to be done, right, and I go ahead and I get these things done, but I'm not doing them to a standard, then the thought process can create that ripple effect to mm-hmm. my leaders or my team. Like, great, if I want something done right, I'll do it myself, right? Because I didn't do it to their standard, although I accomplished the task. And the same thing goes in reverse, right? If I'm an employee and... I have a new leader or a new boss or things like that. And um, they're not meeting the standards of what I expect of them. Then I'm sitting back like, well, why do you have this job when I could be doing it better than you? (laughs) Yeah. And that's where uh, and I I don't even like using this expression because it's such a corporate term. But that's where like smart goals come in. Mm-hmm. And you look at realistic goals. You Why wanna, don't you like saying that? Well, it's it's something that is so often used. I mean, it's a great acronym. Do you want to call them stupid goals? <laughs> well, <laughs> I could the, create an acronym for that. So, the, but the thing is that it's so often used that it almost starts losing meaning because people just go, "Here's your smart goal. Here's your smart Wait, goal." Wait, keep talking. I'm going to create an acronym. <laughs> <laughs> but riff be, on that for a second because <laughs> it's because it's you, you want it to be realistic, right? You don't want to um, cut quality, but you also don't want to expect something that is going to, you know, you reach that law of diminished returns where you get back at something so many times you almost make it worse by continuing to demand more from it. I'm not done yet. Keep talking. That's that's all I had for smart (laughs) goals. Um, So, so far I have for stupid goals is specific tardy <laughs> i guess it could be timely <laughs> uh the you would be understandable okay <laughs> or p could be pr- precise <laughs> precise i like that um i could be like identifying actions how about intelligent not for a stupid goal but that's the gag <laughs> no no that's not how this works at all <laughs> and then d would be for done done <laughs> done we're finished this is the due date <laughs> Okay, so um, I didn't hear anything that you said while I was trying to figure out the acronym. I was just talking about SMART goals, so it's all good. Okay, Uh, so yeah, SMART goals. I I can see the term being overused. Uh, I I see it all through the internet with all these services that are offered to business owners to help grow their people and things like that. Create SMART goals, create SMART goals. Uh, I think it's a good foundation, good standard. Yeah. Right. And maybe the standard becomes too high when you're expected to to have your smart goals written down for every action or performance that you're about to do. It also starts losing it for me when people just use the term without dissecting what they're using it for. (laughs) So it's like one of those like say, say, say the word for me. 
smart goals oh look you dropped something it happens to be a name <laughs> right like that <laughs> yeah. sort of thing where they just uh i have knowledge let me share with you what that is i mean for for me if you're gonna give me a smart goal you should be prepared to uh speak to all five letters of the smart goal well i don't think that it. anybody should be giving smart goals i think it's usually that should be creating your own smart goals and partnering with somebody on the accountability piece to it mm-hmm. um so, A, if somebody is giving you a smart goal, then already their standards are too high. <laughs> well, when I say giving me, goal, I mean, like, me. if somebody's reporting to me and I say, give me your smart goal. Okay. It's a little different. Yeah. So then what what we would be looking for is you want to hit all five of those. And I guess this is for the next the next part of the episode. But sometimes people use that and they, they're just like, yeah, I want to sell 18 of these. That's my smart goal. And you're not really talking about all five letters. So that's where it kind of loses me. But again, it is a great acronym and it is a good standard to start from. And so think about standards being high. We were, we kind of touched on this a little bit before we started the podcast and I don't want to hang around in this topic too long, but I think it, it bears being said. So people returning to a work environment after being quarantined, had created a standard at home, right? Of what life was like, because we had to stay home. We had to Mm -hmm. not be in public and things like that. So I know I created a new standard of when I was going to wake up and when I was going to go to bed. And sometimes waking up would be a little bit later than normal (laughs) and going to bed would definitely be later than normal. And, you know, like the whole routine changed for me. And so returning to a workforce, I can only imagine that uh, there would be a lot of change for people that have to travel to work, right? And, you know, now they're like, oh, wait, I didn't, I didn't prepare myself to get gas and I'm off on my time and I'm off on all this. But, you know, now that I realize... depending on how many people are going back to work at the same time. Yeah. There could be pockets of your, your area that didn't have traffic before (laughs) that suddenly they're all congested. So even timing for how to get to work Mm -hmm. is going to be a thing. And because we were so loosey goosey with the time while we were on quarantine, you know, you don't remember to factor that stuff in. Like, mm-hmm. I, I think there's a grace period for readjustment, but also I would imagine that companies are approaching business a lot differently now, now that there's standards that are in place where you have to put the tape down and you have to, like, customers have to stand six feet apart. You know, we were in Publix the other day and I had shared with you, uh, the arrows i'm like you went down the wrong way because it has literally like do not enter this way and you have to mm-hmm. enter the other way and we're rule breakers we're like i'm a rebel yeah say something um <laughs> no don't say anything we're just kidding uh Publix is doing a great job trying to keep everybody safe uh and so with that it's that the conversations with the employees that aren't used to having to look out for those things and having to be more aware of the people around them and how to be more aware of um, the safety measure measures and then employees returning to work are also concerned about the safety measures that are in place to protect them. You know, um, what's my health insurance going to look like? Is it going to go up now that there is this pandemic that we're still trying to battle and, and beat the curve on and who's going to take care of that cost? Cause it's not my fault that there was a pandemic. And as a company, you should be able to provide 
be able to provide me with health benefits where I don't take the hit on that cost, right? Because I already took a hit on being out of work and not getting paid for that time, uh, especially if you're in Florida and had issues with unemployment. So, um, you know, I, I think it's a matter of where does the the line in the sand get drawn between the employer and the employee on whose standards are too high. So is the company expecting too much of their employees to come back and just adapt? Or are employees expecting too much of their employers to say, you know, you're lucky to even have me back at all. You better give me the world and then some. Yeah. And there's a, on both sides, there's really like a mental health aspect to this. You have people who are employers who were, you know, it's almost like renting a house versus owning a house. When you're when you're a business owner, you're in charge of rent and you're in charge of payroll and you're in charge of uh, paying your suppliers. And, and you've got a whole litany of, of things that you have to handle. And all of a sudden your business isn't making any money. Right. Mm-hmm. So when you come back, if you suddenly have a whole workforce that's gimme, gimme, gimme. Uh, or buy they yeah, don't return or, I, or i'm not coming back which that, is understandable for people who have like you know health concerns yeah, and things like absolutely. that for sure that that can be stressful on the on the on the other side of it <gasps> i see what you did there ah, i like it um the employees that are coming back to work they haven't some of them a lot of them actually haven't received a paycheck in a while and so they're wondering how am i going to pay rent how am i going to pay my mortgage how am i going to pay my bills so when they come back to work they probably don't need to have additional stress coming from the job from like, hey, I'm, I don't remember exactly how to like I'm getting back into the swing of things and you want me to be 100 percent perfect day one. Yeah. But then the, uh, from the job's point of view, it's like, all right, but like, uh, Susan, you've been with the company 10 years and you were only off for 60 days so what do you mean you're not used to going back to work like you know like Mm -hmm. i get that mindset it's it's not a matter of uh i mean i'm about to you're coming to work and i'm about to pay you why wouldn't you be on point Mm -hmm. and so it looks like so would that be a higher standard though would that standard be too high from an employer uh standpoint that's where i think communication comes into play and you have to have a balance. So like for me as the employer, I would need to communicate what my needs are from my employees. This is what I need you guys to do. I need you to come back to work, stand six feet apart and do what you were doing before you went on quarantine. And also kind of (laughs) classify certain things as non-negotiable. Like, hey, I'm sure you're used to standing in your pajamas all day. You can't come into work in your pajamas. (laughs) Okay, so, well, let's... What's the difference between a non-negotiable and a standard that's too high? I think critical thinking is. is that. <laughs> You're expecting a lot of um, people of the world today, just so you know. Well, I mean that's that's really what's gonna what's gonna help you separate it because if you say, "Hey, I need you to come in five minutes early on every shift," and if you come in four minutes early, you're late. That might be a little too much, right? Mm-hmm. But. To say, hey, I don't need you to come in a half hour late every day. I need you to at least be here on time. I think that's a good starting point, right? No, I don't. I disagree with that. And I love that I disagree with that because it's, no, that's your job. That's the time that you're supposed to be here because that's the time that you start that I'm paying you from. Now, if you should happen to be late one of the days this week, 
Okay, but I'm not giving you two weeks to figure your life out after quarantine, Susan, because if you were on a leave of absence or if you had saved up all your vacation time and you need more vacation time to get a break from your vacation time, like (laughs) I have a problem with that. Now, I went through the same thing you did at a different level. I mean, like we can't compare experiences, but I'm still here doing my thing. Now flip it around. And now me as the employee, it would be incumbent on me to have the same kind of thing. I would need to communicate to my employer what my list of demands are. (laughs) What list? What What's my list of things? What's that called when um, like a band goes to play at a stadium and they give you like the list of things that they need? Oh, the writer. Yeah, I need to give you all my green M&M bowls (laughs) and uh, bottled water from a specific hot spring (laughs) that I need. But. But in reality, the com- the communication from the employee also has to be key, and you also want to be realistic. So if it's, oh, I don't know how to <laughs> navigate traffic this week, so I'm going to be an hour late every day, that's probably not going to be realistic. But saying, you know what, traffic this day was crazy, but now I've made an adjustment and tomorrow I won't be late again. Then that's, that's probably workable. yeah that's probably a little more understandable yeah because then you're not shooting for perfectionism you're shooting for humanism i think if yeah it's, that's and even the a same word. thing like schools are i mean we're in the summer but you have people have, who have kids and their kids have been home all this time and now they all of a it's sudden a different standard yeah. yeah so then now they have to go to work and in some cases the uh, the request is hey can you sh- can you move my shift over because I wasn't sure what you were going to say there. <laughs> <laughs> well, but if you move my shift over, I can get the babysitter you at have this to time. Move the and- word over quicker. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> but but yeah, you know what I mean. Like it, you, you want to be you want your communication has to be uh, there, but you don't want to go overboard, and you don't want to get taken advantage of either. And this yeah. is not to contradict our podcast earlier in how do you inspire your team coming back from a quarantine uh, where we talked about, you know, it's going to be a little awkward, but you got to be open and have that communication with the team on what are you most afraid of? And uh, let's talk about how we can overcome those concerns. That's different. That's different than what we're talking about. It's, it's one thing to have a a conversation with the group and, and work through Uh, fears and concerns and and that sort of thing. It's another thing to create a new standard, um, whether it's lower or whether it's higher without anybody else knowing about it (laughs) and just assuming like, I'm just going to keep wearing my pajamas because honestly, that's the new dress code. And um, that's all I've been washing like since (laughs) this all started. My quarantine clothes are still quarantined. And that's not okay. Right. And um, I can't walk in heels anymore. I look like Bambi when Bambi was first born. (laughs) And it's just awkward. (laughs) Um, So I think there's a baseline there of the expectation is shouldn't change. You know, my expectations of humans is that they treat people or treat each other with respect um and so the standards change when my relationships with other humans change right so if it's a stranger i i expect respect because that's what i'm going to give when i am married to my spouse there's a different standard of uh relationship that we have that i would would not compare to a stranger because we know each other and we have expectations of each other. I have expectations of you. Were you not aware of that? 
<laughs> based on the look on your face. <laughs> okay, so it's really silent. I think uh, Jeff's thoughts are limitless right now. So we're going to give him a short break. Hey, other siders. Are you looking for the perfect decoration to adorn your home with? Or what about a seasonal wreath for your favorite holiday, exactly the way that you want it? Limitless Adornments creates beautifully unique, 100% custom wreaths all year round. Each wreath is handmade and custom made to celebrate your favorite holiday, hobby, or just a place in your home. If you're interested in placing a custom order for your own personalized wreath, look up Limitless Adornments on Facebook, Instagram, and Etsy to make your perfect wreath a reality. Mention the other side to receive 10% off your first order. So when we last left you, <laughs> Jeff was just finding I'm out. Back. Yeah, he was just finding out that there are expectations of him, not only at work, but also in the household. Oh, boy. <laughs> so clearly my communication was not clear. <laughs> <laughs> and I will work on that. No more pajamas for me. <laughs> um, I think that's a different podcast for a different time. <laughs> not related to here. There are standards. All um, right. <laughs> So we talked about um, standards being too high a little bit. Um, I just want to kind of uh, bring it back because I don't think we really defined what that is. And I think when, uh, again, I'll, I'll repeat this part, when your perfectionism is um, kind of overseeing a team and you're expecting the team to rise to your perfectionism, I think that there is... Uh, a point where you're going to have to check in with your team to see if their skill level is at that level to meet your perfectionism, because you should have a higher standard for yourself in order to lead your team. Because if you have nothing to give your team to help them grow, then they're going to be looking for another leader. I think in addition to the skill, and this is, you, you also want to gauge your team's will, right? So you could have a very skilled team and but if they don't like you, they're not willing to do it. Yeah. And, and, and if they're not willing to, you have to, I mean, that's something you have to address. You have to figure out either what, what can you do to get them to want to do it? Don't or, do it with fear. Yeah. Never threaten your team. But that dangling carrot. Oh, at, I wish we went to the Alanis concert. At the same time, Sorry. you also, you know, you, you want to have that information so you can make decisions based on it. And then when you look at lower expectations or really like standards that are lower, how, how would we go about defining that? And I think part of it is when personally you settle for, I really want to say anything, like anytime you're settling for something um, that is less than what your values are for less than what your core is for less than what you're capable of um, without an opportunity to, I guess, benefit or grow from it later is a low standard for yourself. So let, let me break this down a little bit. If I was going to be an intern, knowing that I could go ahead and uh, get the position I want, because all they have to see is the light that I have and how amazing I would be in this role then that would be worth it. That's not lower standards. That's setting yourself up for success, right? That's like preparation meets opportunity. Then you get success there. But if I'm going into a, a temporary position within a company in the hopes that I could get to 
work in another state for the company and that they'll pay all my travel expenses and things like that, I think you're setting the bar low for yourself and that there's um, another way that you should approach it. And that's as from the employee side. Yeah, that's part of it. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, there's more to the employee side. But. Yeah, uh, but usually the, for me, I see the lower standards thing happening in bigger corporations that might have a goal for how many human bodies they need to put in seats doing the job. Like we talked about on the last one, the mirror yeah. test, right? You so, can breathe, okay, you're hired. So in that particular scenario, like I always think if you do that, you're almost disrespecting that position. And you, you, you have to think, do I, I mean, would I prefer, do I need to have this position if I'm going to disrespect it like that? Well, I think there's a type of person for that role and there's a type of business that provides that role, right? So, you know, I, I don't want to dismiss any sort of uh, demographic or business, but there's entry level jobs for entry level people. And then there's jobs out there that can provide training or extra training to people that may need it in order to obtain that job. Mm -hmm. Right. So when I think of what you just shared, I think you need places like that to accommodate people who are just learning. Yeah. And so for me, I'm 100% for people learning. I And I don't mean people who don't have experience because I, I that's the other thing that I, you know. that's The other side of that's, it. Yeah, that's the other extreme is like you, you, you see the cliche of people going, well, every job I apply for, I need experience. How am I going to get experience without getting right, the job? Right. But what I mean is you have people who are clearly unqualified to even get in the starting level, right? So- you have people who maybe do not have, like, you would have, say, a job that is customer service, and you have people who are clearly not in meant the for the public. Yeah, interview <laughs> process. They're the, and not to say that they're bad people, but being personable is not their niche. Or maybe a technical job. You have people. You you get people who don't have a technical mind and. In some cases, you might have a goal and say, okay, well, in order for me to sell this thing or in order for me to launch this product or to get to this demographic, I need a thousand people. And you go through your interview process and of qualified people, you find 200. I say instead of just lowering your standards and getting a thousand people in the door, you might need to reshape your expectations. Well, I think it goes back to how we started the beginning of the podcast too, right? Is that if the goal is to have this amount of people hired in order to meet metrics for whatever you're doing, and that's the fear behind it, right? Like you need to staff like this store, you need to staff this office, you need to staff your department and you better do it by this date and very quickly, then the uh, productivity or the best productivity that you could get out of that becomes a checklist, right? Like, okay, mm -hmm. you could breathe, come on in. Yeah, I, I'll figure it out later. Let me fill it with bodies. And then I'll waste time later training everybody because I marked it off the list because I was in fear of my job. And then you have a boss that comes in and sees that you filled everything, but now can't use you to do other things because you have to stay back training everybody because they weren't qualified for it. And the boss is thinking, like we said before, if I want something done right, I should have done it myself. And that's how the like wicked cycle starts spinning and turns into a tornado. When I was 
a lot younger. On one of my first jobs, uh, I worked at a place that was doing, uh, was selling items, and instead of going like through the cashier where it tells you how much change to give, they wanted to speed things up by taking people's money um, out front, out away from the cashier, uh, especially during busy times. And for an entire I'm not sure summer, I understand, so help me break that down. So picture whether it's a, a pickup window at a restaurant or a drive-thru or a store okay. where people are buying things and you are, instead of bringing them to the back of the, the, the store or to wherever the cashier is, you're just charging them right there. And so at the time, I had one of those little coin things that the uh, the ice cream man would have. Oh, or like a train conductor would have where they yeah. push the coins out? Okay. Mm-hmm. And for an entire summer, I was doing that through for, for the entire busy time at this place. The reason was that nobody else, anytime anybody else tried to do that, the drawer would come remarkably short. And for me, it was... I don't want to say it was overwhelming it, because it wasn't, but it was kind of like I looked around like, well, all these other people <laughs> probably are making the same amount of money that I am, but I'm the only one that can do this specialized thing, which is silly to say specialized because it's making change, mm-hmm. but it made you think like, okay, so you hired a bunch of people to be cashiers and they can't count. Mm-hmm. So that that's the kind of thing where I'm like, okay... If you're going to have that, invest in some training because, again, I wasn't at that job forever. It's been years since I've been there. And if they want to do that and they had that, I mean, obviously, they probably don't have the same crew. But for whatever crew was left, if they didn't have somebody who could count, they would either be losing money or taking in too much money. Well, now they have it where the change can drop right down from the register and all you have to do is deal with the paper but not the coins. Yeah, it's so um, the machine does it for you, so you don't worry about it. But you know what's interesting? So you brought that up, and I started to reflect back. You know, picture those dream waves. Like, <laughs> and I remember when I uh, got hired. I, I've talked about the pharmacy before, where I got hired at the drugstore, and one of the things that I was going to start as was a cashier. But it was my first time really handling money i mean i worked at a food spot but like i didn't have to worry about the money so much i was more customer service and preparing foods things like that and i remember my standards for myself were so high that i would practice giving back change at home i would have (laughs) i would lay out my coins that that i collected and you know like you have your change jar, so i would spread it out i would have my quarters dimes my nickels and my pennies and you know i would just okay it's Thank you, ma'am. It's 437. Okay. And then I go and I figure it out. Right. And then I got to the store and the way that I had practiced it, the money was reversed with the way that it was laid out in the register, which threw me for a loop. I was like, oh God, I can't do this. (laughs) But you know, it came with practice. I just had to reset myself and just reset the direction the money was in. And you know, the register at the time didn't tell you how much to give back. You had to figure it out. You had to look at the little receipt that printed out, you know, and Gosh, I'm old. Um, so, <laughs> you know, that goes back to that being my... And um, I'll just add to that. It was a receipt that made the noise <laughs> and not just like prints out like, you know, like your supermarket receipt does now that it just <laughs> feeds out in one shot. Right. And, uh, you know, I, I think that just goes back to the difference of a standard that you set for yourself of how do you want to show up 
And then the standard of when you do show up, what do you expect for from the place that you're showing up to, right? So if I'm the employee, I have to think of what's what would be considered a low standard of my employer from my point of view. And I think the low standard would be that it would be okay for my um, boss to n- not be around all the time or not answer my calls or not email me and just be like, oh, well, they're probably really busy and that's why they can't get in touch with me. So I'll just kind of figure it out and not ask any questions and just trust the process. And I don't think there's anything wrong with asking a question. I, I, you know, it's not a matter of being accusatory unless the person was doing something they shouldn't and then they're going to take it that way. Yeah. Um, and again, that brings us back to the same thing with the high standards. So for low standards, you want to have communication. You want to have a boss that's around. <laughs> yeah. So for um, and, and I guess it works for the employee also. If you happen to like there, especially in this market where maybe you're in an area where a lot of places close down and you have a really high end degree or a, re- a, re- a lot of um, experience and you ha- you do what you had to do, right? So you might take one of those jobs that is for people who are just starting out, but you want to make sure you communicate that as well. So if you're, if you're uh, an employer and you are bringing in people then that, that need to meet a specific metric or a specific standard, you want to communicate what that is and be realistic about what ramp you're going to give them. And the same way for somebody who is maybe overqualified for a position, you want to be very clear about what your intentions are when you take the job so that if that if your expectation is one thing and the job is not able to meet that, you can make a decision on that. Mm -hmm. And I I think to that point, don't go in with high expectations when you've read the job description and you're hoping that they'll just look at you and be like, Oh, you're right. You should be in a different role. You know, like don't waste anybody's time. You just, just happened like, to need a new CEO. Right. It's just amazing that you walked in when you did. Um, that only happens in movies or in uh, the music industry when you pass along your demo tape. Uh, they still have those, <laughs> right? <laughs> uh, you know, and I think for an employee, as far as your standards being too low, again, that's when you're when you feel like you're compromising yourself, or you have like that sick feeling in your stomach of. Uh, this isn't the right thing, or I think I made a mistake. It's okay to say that. And it's okay to um, ask questions and understand the intention behind behaviors. Because, you know, I mentioned before, if your boss isn't around, maybe it's just a matter of asking, hey, are you okay? I haven't seen you in a while. What's What's been going on? Like, loop me in versus, you know, you're never here. You never do your job. Because that's where the <laughs> things go a, a little bit crazy. Um And so there's more that we could share to this. I think that it would be uh, maybe a hot tip if you guys join our Patreon account. We have some additional behind the scenes um, footage on there and some additional audio clips that we'll be adding. There's different tiers for you to go ahead and join, um, you know, so this way on different levels you get different things and whatever works for you works for us so we would love to have you join our patreon account and just search tiffany rufino um r-u-f-i-n-o and uh with that we hope you stay safe stay healthy and we'll see you on the other side thanks for listening don't forget to subscribe and share we'll see you next time on the other side enterprise